hi there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rupa Subramania show where we dive into thought-provoking discussions on pressing issues. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, issue of uh, denialism and the search for truth at the former site of uh, Indian residential schools in Canada. Now, in her report, Kimberly Murray, the former executive director of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, and now special interlocutor for missing children in unmarked graves and burial sites associated with Indian residential schools, recommends the introduction of new legal tools, including civil and criminal remedies to combat what she considers to be denialism. This proposal has garnered a lot of attention and support with Attorney General David Lametti expressing openness uh, to exploring all possibilities and fighting against residential school denialism. According to Murray, denialists attack the credibility of survivors' truths regarding missing children, unmarked burials and cemeteries at Indian residential schools. And, and uh, you know, and they, she accuses them of dismissing uh, uh, them as uh, a sensationalism. Murray's report cites MP Leah Gazin's um, perspective that denying what happened at residential schools is a form of hate speech, which can re-traumatize survivors. And so therefore, Murray's um, proposal seeks the adoption of legislation that, in my opinion, is very problematic because it conflates critical discussions uh, surrounding residential schools and unmarked graves with hate speech and denialism. My own view, I personally think that such a law uh, could potentially be considered unconstitutional and jeopardize the principles at the very foundations of free speech and it's very important to recognize this illiberal and ill-advised uh, proposed law and where this is potentially taking us. Criminalizing certain expressions risks driving these sentiments underground. And the best way to uh, counter prejudice and bigotry or hate is open discourse and rational argumentation. In a free society, censorship can never be the solution to ignorance or prejudice. To talk about this issue, please welcome Joanna Barron, who is the Executive Director of the Canadian Constitution Foundation. So Joanna, welcome uh, welcome to the show. Uh, it's a real pleasure having you here. Um, so I want to first start by asking you, uh, what are the specific recommendations made by uh, the special, special interlocutor Kimberly Murray in her uh, interim report on missing children and unmarked uh, burials? So essentially, she says that there's a legal void in creating remedies for uh, survivors of residential schools in between the overlapping federal and provincial laws. But specifically, she recommends criminalizing what she calls denialism. And mm. it's not exactly defined, but she does refer to instances where survivors of, of residential schools um, have been harmed or hurt by people who insinuate um, that what they what they what they lived through didn't happen, or that you know some of the alleged deaths didn't occur. And part of the issue that I have with this is not at all with suggesting that it's horrible for people to suggest that um, 
the residential schools didn't occur. Of course they occurred, but more when you get into criminalizing um, and doing investigative journalism and really just criminalizing speech altogether, I think is a very blunt tool, but I am getting ahead of us. But she suggests to be short, criminalizing denial. And the reason that this is relevant, it's not yet law in Canada, but Attorney General Lametti has said he's open mm. to it and he'd like to move forward with proposing a new law. And we know that this government, they have no problem with bringing a new criminal law. <laughs> they, they can do it again. Yeah. Um, so did you say that uh, Kimberly Murray, uh, does she actually define what denialism is? So and and, and, uh, and sorry, and how does that specifically relate to the issue of uh, residential school denialism? Well, so what she talks about is that mm -hmm. people have raised questions about the unmarked graves, about the amounts of deaths. Um, and some journalists have pointed out that there's still a lot of uncertainty, right? Like there haven't mm -hmm. actually been any graves dug up as macabre as it is to sign of say, um, but that's the fact. And Terry Glavin, who is, I think, a former colleague of yours, wrote a really trenchant piece. I think it's now two years ago, or sorry, mm -hmm. maybe a year ago, um, yeah. just pointing out that the fact of the matter is, you know, there was ground penetrating radar, but we still don't know exactly, there, there haven't been any bodies found. And mm what this raises the specter of is well and and he certainly um has been roundly criticized and called the denier and all kinds of things um but would terry glavin's article be considered criminal denialism that was going to be one of my questions for you would that include critical discussions and investigative uh, journalism along the line uh, along um you know similar to terry glavin's work right yeah, well, when so in, in the report, what she talks about is not a strict, you know, definition of what denialism mm -hmm. is. But she, she talks about the effects of um, of hurting the feelings of survivors and the harm that this causes to them. Um, and I don't minimize that at all. But if the issue is minimizing hurt feelings and harm, mm -hmm. criminal law is not necessarily that's not the purpose of the criminal law. Right. Criminal law yeah. is to demarcate. Um, acts that society finds truly morally beyond the pale and that deserve our highest restrictions on liberty, i.e. imprisonment. Um, mm -hmm. And so the, the issue is hurt. And I don't deny that there's a lot of hurt for people who are residential school survivors or their families. Um, but the, the remedy can't just be to criminalize people. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what was Attorney General uh, David Lametti's specific uh, responses to Kim, uh, Murray's proposals uh, to combat residential school denialism? Yeah. So he, of course, uh, appointed Kimberly Murray and mm -hmm. she held a press conference at the Cowessess First Nations when she released her report. And he said he's open to all possibilities for right for fighting residential school denialism and he said explicitly that includes a legal solution outlawing it and he also um, mentioned that as a sort of precedent for this uh, Canada can look to other countries that have criminalized holocaust denial which of mm -hmm. course Canada has considered criminalizing holocaust denial as well uh, I myself am the, am the descendant of holocaust survivors um, and I appeared at senate committee last year to urge Canada not to criminalize holocaust uh, denialism again not because I have sympathy for people there are people who deny the holocaust um, but because 
I'm of the belief that criminalizing it doesn't help matters. It drives the speech underground. Really, the response to it should be, you are unlearned. You have not looked at the facts. And you know you should be ostracized from society if you refuse to acknowledge that the Holocaust exists. Um, I don't see criminalizing how criminalizing it helps us at all. Yeah. Uh, given that you're a lawyer, Joanna, could you explain to us why her proposal, uh, why you think her proposal is considered unconstitutional and illiberal? Yeah. So first of all, there's just a, a basic sort of in terms of legal doctrine as lawyers for something to be a valid law, we say that it has to be clear, predictable, um, and concise or not necessarily concise, but you need to, I need to know in advance, I need to know in advance that it's illegal for me to drive 160 kilometers an hour. That's a clear rule. And if I violate mm -hmm. it, I deserve to be fined here where you're saying we're criminalizing denialism and it's very unclear. There's a lot of gray area. Does that mean um, asking about what's going on with the investigation? Does that mean um, asking, asking what the facts are? Is that denialism? Um, mm. And so essentially it's not really clearly enforceable because people can't shape their actions around it. Now, yeah. furthermore, to get more specific, here we're talking about forms of speech and expression, right? And in Canada, there is criminal hate speech. So there are forms of speech that the Supreme Court has said if they cause such strong repugnance or detestation against certain groups, that will be called criminal hate speech. Now, I myself am I'm a sort of free speech fundamentalists. And I tend to think if we're going to lock people up for behavior, it should be, you know, violent behavior or at very least counseling violent behavior. So, you mm. know, counseling, counseling genocide, incitement to threats. These are, I have no issue with criminalizing these, of course. When you talk about hate speech, this is again, again, it gets very vague, but this goes even a step further from that. This is saying this is not hate speech. This is a lower threshold because hate speech is already criminalized. Um, mm. But we're going to extend the reach of the criminal law to this, you know, category of speech that we're calling denialism. So there's an issue with, so we have a specific right to free expression. Um, and the Supreme Court has said just being offensive is not uh, is not hate speech. It's still protected speech, even if we find it completely low value, completely distasteful. In an open mm. society, you need to have wide ambit for expression because this is how we figure out what we believe, right, is by having an open discourse of ideas. Um, and so yeah. I believe that the proposal is unconstitutional under Section 2B, which is the right to free expression. Uh, and I believe uh, Attorney General Lametti, who is, you know, a very fine lawyer, he was my dean when I was in law school, mm -hmm. he knows this very well, that it's politically attractive for him right now to say he's on board with this proposed new criminal law, but he must know that this is unconstitutional. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of worrying because, uh, as you mentioned, Terry Glavin's excellent work uh, in in probing um, uh, this this issue, uh, like like you know, like he did last year. Um, you know, I myself have been in situations where I've questioned um, the existence of you know not denying what happened to indigenous communities here in Canada, but certainly. To this specific issue, 215 bodies or 251 unmarked graves have been found, or bodies actually. I think the New York Times actually said that they've that they discovered bodies, um, and it's 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 quite worrying for those of us who who are in a, in a in, in a position where we challenge these these narratives. 
were called denialists, were called bigots, were called, um, you know, and, and people want to police that speech. So it, it certainly is very worrying. And as you point out, hate speech is already criminalized in Canada. What is the, you know, I mean, these are all very, very subjective uh, 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 terms. You know, what are the challenges associated with defining the line between repugnant speech and hate speech? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, has tried tried to do many times Mm -hmm. and it always ends up reading just like a thesaurus like they Mm -hmm. come up new words like intense detestation calumny and to me this is what you know in the united states hates there is no criminal prohibition on hate speech the american Mm -hmm. approach is that basically but there are very strict prohibitions on you know libel sedition incitement to threats but the american approach is if it's not connected to physical violence it's permitted. And I tend to think, well, you know, America is its own culture and we can critique what's gone on there. But I think that that's a very principled position. And I just want to be clear, this is not because I like hate speech. No, of course not. It's because (laughs) I believe in an an open society, the best remedy for people who are saying nasty things is to counter them by making them look unlearned and dumb. Yeah, that's effective. And and you mentioned yeah and you mentioned that you 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 yourself you're you're the descendant of Holocaust uh, survivors, and and you're you're not for uh, you know you, you don't believe that uh, Holocaust denialism should be uh, should be considered uh, should should be criminalized. Um, you know how do you and, and you know in your piece for the hub you 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 talk about this trial of Ernst Zundel and and how it became, it was actually quite counter, counterproductive, the whole exercise. Could you explain to us what, what exactly happened there and how that relates to residential school, uh, the issue of residential school denialism? Yeah, so if you're going to criminalize something, you put it within the ambit of the court system, right? Because somebody mm-hmm. will be charged and they have the right to make full answer and defense. I also used to be a criminal defense lawyer. And so that Mm -hmm. means that your defense counsel has the right to call counter evidence. And so in the case of Ernst Zundel, who published pamphlets saying, did the Holocaust really happen? Did 6 million really die? Um, He was entitled to have a lawyer um, to defend him against the charges of Holocaust denial, which at that time was alleged as hate speech. And it ended up being that the various Holocaust survivors who the Crown called as witnesses to testify to their own experience um, were cross-examined and it was implied that they were liars or that they didn't really understand what was going on. And all the meantime, you had Ernst Zundel, who is, Mm. uh, you know, lionized in certain communities of Holocaust deniers, which I'm sure are very small, but do exist in Canada. He was seen as this hero taking the stand and presenting all of his evidence for his belief. So essentially, it gave him a huge platform. And so we can imagine, and you can just imagine the grotesque spectacle of elderly Holocaust survivors um, being cross-examined by defense counsel, being made to feel that, you know, their experience didn't happen. So you can imagine mm-hmm. with this with uh, this proposed law that if somebody was charged, like Mr. Glavin, for example, who I really think, um, based on some of the comments in that report, that to me is is a clear gray area. So I think it's it's not I'm not being alarmist to say that that could be caught by the law, uh, and so you can imagine uh, residential school survivors 
being cross-examined. Did it really happen? Was it really, you know, did it happen as you say? Um, and all the while, those in Canada who do deny that the residential schools happened and that they stripped children away from their family, stripped them from their culture, um, which are things that as a country, we, you know, we repent for. You can imagine them, you know, similarly having their story poked holes in. Anybody's story mm. can have be poked holes in. So yeah. I think it would be quite counterproductive, really, to bring this within the ambit of the criminal law in practical terms, if you look at how it would actually work. Yeah. Uh, a final question for you, Joanna. How would you describe the current state of uh, freedom of speech in Canada? Do you have concerns about it? I think uh, Canada is one of the most beleaguered jurisdictions in the world. Right now I'm in uh, England and I'm doing some comparative analysis. I think we mm-hmm. have the you know onslaught we have of restrictions from the from the online perspective, right with the online harms bill, which is coming with bill with the online streaming act which is now law in Canada, which says that the CRTC is going to be able to regulate our algorithms. Um, And the online harms bill, by the way, will bring all of these concepts about hate speech that we talked about and bring them into a civil remedy for online speech. So meaning it's an even lower threshold. If I say anything that you can, you know, report me to a bureaucrat for being offensive to you, uh, I could be charged under that uh, and and fined civilly. So even if the threshold isn't high enough for criminal speech, it's a civil standard. Um, so and and now we have these new proposals about a criminalizing denialism. So I think Canada is terribly unfree when it comes to speech. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, quite remarkable uh, for um, what is ostensibly a liberal democracy. We have uh, these very serious challenges to freedom of expre- uh, freedom of speech and expression and uh, don't have the kind of constitutional protection that our neighbors to the south have. But uh, Joanna, I know you have to get going, so I really appreciate you making the time to chat with me, and, uh, and I hope to have you back on the show soon. Great. Thanks, Rupa. Yeah, no worries. Thank you.